Church. <clears throat> Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 11. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do, or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to touch the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know what wrongdoers will not inherit, the king will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, no drunkards, no slanderers, no swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much, Elizabeth, for reading, and Victor for praying, including praying for me that God will speak to us. And let's keep that passage open so we can look at it together. Great. Well, yeah, we are calling this series Messy Church, and definitely, as you hear this, what a messy church, right? We had last week... The guy sleeping with his stepmother, and now we have Christians taking each other to court. Uh, in two weeks' time, we'll have people visiting prostitutes, and maybe you wonder, what kind of church is this? Maybe you're visiting today, and you're not a Christian, you wonder, church are such nice people, and you hear this, and you think, wow, I didn't know that was going on in church. I don't know how you respond to that, right? I mean, I, I know most of you, uh, I don't think any of that is going on in our church at the moment. Well, I'm thankful for that. But then it's always tempting to kind of zone out, right? You hear this and you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm far better than these people. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not tempted. I, I'm not going to take anyone to court. I don't have a stepmother. It's fine. <laughs> well, I think with the New Testament, we should always ask, okay, well, what is the underlying issue? I mean, what made the Corinthians such a messy church? I mean, take another letter like Galatians. Um, these people were very tempted to get circumcised. Now, you're never going to tempt me to get circumcised, to be honest. <laughs> but there's a reason for that, right? 
why did they want to get circumcised? Well, because people were telling them that, you know, we, we need our own efforts to, uh, to be accepted by God. And what Jesus has done is not enough. And that is certainly a temptation, right? I mean, Reformation Sunday, it was very much an issue 1,500 years later. It wasn't circumcision, but it was other stuff, right, from the Catholic Church. Yeah, so what's the underlying issue? And I think that's we're thinking about with the Corinthians. Why were the Corinthians like this? Well, if you've been here a few years, we've been studying it kind of out of order. In the past, we've done chapters 8 to 15, and now we're doing chapters 1 to 7. But if you were here for chapter 15, you may remember what the problem was. So here is a verse from uh, 15, verse 12. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, there were some Corinthians who, you know, maybe few, there is uh, there's no resurrection. There is no life after death. Maybe we'll just be floating spirits or whatever, but there isn't really anything to look forward to. Well, and if there's nothing to look forward to, it's all about life now. And I guess when you see the Corinthians, they're a very worldly church, right? It's about the status and reputation in this world. It's about money and sex and food and drink. That is what the Corinthians were about. They were, well, if it's the most worldly church in the New Testament. They, it's not just about being like the people around you. No, it's all about this world. It's all about now. That's how they were living. And of course then, well, that is very much reality for us, right? I mean, we, a lot of our life revolves around life now. We work because of you know, life now. We have our families and we, you know, leisure. Everything is, in some way, we were living in this world, right? It's life now. And we are surrounded by people who live for now. And the TV we watch is all about life now. No wonder that maybe life now is, you know, it, it is important. And yet you look at the Corinthians, and here is a church for whom it is too important, right? And so what we're going to talk about today, well, what's wrong with worldliness? What's wrong with worldliness? And uh, the presenting issue, just an example, one more issue that Paul is addressing, is this kind of idea of uh, lawsuits. So in the Corinthian church, there's uh, some lawsuits going on. I I don't know. We don't know the details. Maybe uh, imagine two church members, Jack and Jill. And uh, Jack has a lot of money, and Jill came and said, uh, hey, uh, I've got some uh, business opportunity. You want to invest in this? And, uh, you know, uh, Jack thought that was a good idea, except that uh, Jill then used the money to uh, pay off her debts or get a new kitchen or whatever. (laughs) It was a scam. And, uh, well, Jack, of course, is is angry, and he's now uh, suing Jill uh, to get the money back or something like that. Uh, It talks about cheating and defrauding, so that's kind of what's going on. And and you can hear Paul with his hands in his hair. (sighs) Corinthians. So what's wrong with this? Well, and what Paul says in this passage may be unusual. Uh, It's denying who you are. You're denying who you are. The way you're living, you're completely forgetting who you are in in Jesus. Because who are you? Well, why do you dare to take people to court? Uh, Verse 2, do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Uh, Do you not know that we will judge angels? Uh, 
do you not know? I think most of us would say, well, actually, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I was going to judge angels. But that's what Paul says. You are going to be the future judges of the world. And now you are going to ask the world for legal advice. Isn't that the wrong way round? Now, how does that work? How are we going to judge the world? Well, I, I think because we belong to Christ. Uh, remember the New Testament picture? Christ is the head and we are the body. And where's everything else? Well, all things are under his feet. So in some way, we'll, if we're with Christ, we're yeah, over everything. That's what it says. Right? I mean, just like now, Jesus is working through the church in the world. Maybe Jesus will also is working. He, he's, you know, we play a part in when he comes to judge. I don't know. I wish I had more details to tell you. But the passage is, it says it, right? We will judge the world. And then, yeah. Surely don't go to the world for justice. Don't go to the world for judgment. You know, sort this out yourselves. Come on, surely there's someone in church who... You, you can just do this, right? You should be competent for this. You're going to be judges. Uh, verse 5. Uh, isn't there, is it possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? <laughs> you can hear the sarcasm, right? These guys, oh, we're all so wise. And then Paul says, well, if you're so wise, can't you just sort this out? Surely some of you... Eh? But look, it's just embarrassing, right? I, mean, I don't know, how would you compare it? You know, some high court judge has some issue. And so uh, who should he ask for help? Well, let me go to the, to the triad and, and ask the, the top gangster if he has some uh, good ideas for me or can uh, advise and, and help me. And then next week I'll see him in court and sentencing him to life in prison. That's, that's, right, that's the wrong way around. That's embarrassing. You're forgetting who you are, right, as a Christian. And, 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 and right? uh, just to say that so this is really about identity, right? about who you are. This is not, look, don't go to the authorities as a kind of cover-up. This is not about covering up sin. You know, we, we shouldn't, you know, we should be honest that we're sinners. And, and sometimes it's actually right to go to the authorities. You know, if there's been child abuse or, you know, domestic violence, maybe we should get the authorities involved. Uh, they can lock people up, and we can't, right? So th- th- there's a place for that. But, but here, that's not needed. And so Paul says, look, you're forgetting who you are. You're, you just care about life now, about the money, and you forget who you are. You, you forget who they are, because they are your, your family, right? In, in five to eight, it's, it's brother. One brother takes another to court. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're cheating and wronging. Verse eight, you do this to your brothers and sisters, they're your family. I mean, how would you treat your family? We love family, right? Here in Hong Kong, you know, people do so much for their family. Of course, parents for children, children for parents. I see Christians who give up so much for their elderly parents. And, you know, but, but that's right, right? It's your family. Well, well the, the church is your family. This is not just a stranger. This is your brother or sister. Why would you cheat them out of know, half a million? Why would you... Take them to court. They're, they're your family, right? Families don't do that. I think it's just, of course, amazing. Well, what a view of church, right? It's not just a bunch of worshippers. It's not just a bunch of people who come to the same building to watch the same sermon and the same music, right? Like a cinema. Family. Do, do you see each other as family like that, right? The people on the other side, they're, they're, they're your brothers and sisters, 
and you should care for them as much as you would care for your uh, for, for, for your physical family. Wow, the, the, that's the church. The church is, is a is a community, a holy society that, that is able to you know where, where people can can sort out issues and and, and, and have courts and, that, and yeah, that that is the church and, and and such a future, right? Here you are, and you're not just going to heaven when you die. No, you're going to have a huge future role. You're you're going to be working. You're going to be serving Jesus as a kind of top civil servant in the kingdom. That that's who you are. It's such a high view of being a Christian of the of the church, but no, the Corinthians just—it's all about life now. It's just about the money, and Paul says, "Like you're forgetting who you are." No, if you really know who you are, you would be different. Verse seven, uh, second half. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? You know, if you can't solve it, you know, t- yeah, don't go to the courts. Just let it go. You know, uh, you know, yeah, y- they did that, but hey, just let it go. Let yourself be defrauded. D- d- don't go there. I mean, you can do that, right, as a Christian. You have everything in Christ. You're going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's okay. I, I don't need this. And that's what Jesus said. Turn the other cheek. Don't take revenge. Just let it go. Because that doesn't mean that you know you should always ignore sin and overlook it. Last week we talked about church discipline. Clearly, you know, there's cases where if someone sins against you, you should say something about it. Maybe to protect others. Maybe to help someone see their sin and 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 make sure and hope they turn around. It doesn't mean you should always let everything happen to you. But it's about the heart, right? The the reason. Is this about helping someone else or are you suing them because of money and, venge- and, and vengeance and greed, right? Then Paul says, no, that's not Jesus' way. So yeah, that's, that's what worldliness looks like, right? People who don't think about eternity, they just think about this world. And then, yeah, uh, YOLO you get then, right? You only live once. Don't know if you know that slogan, but yeah, if you only live once, this life that's what it's about and that's how I'm going to live and, and I forget who I'm in Christ I forget what I have I just want money and pleasure now and that's the Corinthians and, 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 and that's sad right I mean yeah how important is, the, is this to you I mean, I mean that's a good test right well, what if this happened to you what if someone cheated you out of half a million dollars if someone here in church would you want to take them to court? Uh, or, I mean, let's assume it's not your, your life savings and, uh, you know, uh, would you just let it go? Would you just think, well, I'll let it go if we can't solve it here? It's a good, right? How attached are we to money? How attached are we to this life? Uh, who are you? Is, are you really a, a doctor and a lawyer who happens to go to heaven later? Or am I? I'm a Christian. I'm part of the body of Christ, who's still living here. Well, what's the center of who we are? It's, it's challenge, right? Who are those people in the church? Are they really our family? I mean, when this does happen, it's it's beautiful, though. You know, there is a church member here who long ago got divorced, and, and you know had to find a settlement with his uh, his wife was divorcing him, and, and he just felt God saying to him, look, I should just give everything. 
I'm going to give all my assets. I'll pay for the legal costs. And when he said that to his lawyers, they just laughed. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You, you would never do that, right? But no, ultimately it came to that. And what, a, what a witness, right? Well, how different from the world. And, and God took care of him, right? I mean, restored him. Finally. He was completely broke after that. But God had mercy on him and restored him. And, you know, it was good. But you know, at that time, that requires real faith, right? Faith, this is what God wants. But yeah, I have everything in Christ. I can do this. Beautiful. But the opposite, yeah, I think it's embarrassing. Paul thinks it's embarrassing. But, but it's more than embarrassing. And, and as Paul goes on, he wants to say, look, Corinthians, what you're doing, this sin, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because verse 9, look, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. And, and then this whole list of sins that you know, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. That, that's what we're talking about, right? The future, the great kingdom. And Paul says, well, watch out. Some wrongdoers will not be there. And I don't know what kind of passage you think this is. Some people take it as a kind of uh, more of an encouragement that hey, don't worry about the people who oppress you. They won't be there in the future. I, I don't think so. I, I, this sounds a lot like a warning. And especially because it comes after verse 8, right? Paul is talking to the, <laughs> to the swindler, to, the, to Jill, and he says, instead you yourselves cheat and do wrong. You do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Right? You do wrong, wrongdoers will not inherit. It seems to be a warning for them. I mean, Paul says, don't be deceived. Whenever Paul says, don't be deceived, it's bad news. Right? And especially most of these sins, well, they are Corinthian sins. Right? You read through the letter and you see idolaters and drunkards and a lot of sexually immoral people. So Paul is warning them. Look, because the problem is, if it's all about life now, well, does sin really matter? I mean, life now, sin, well, sometimes it makes things a bit worse, sometimes it makes it better, right? But, but ultimately, sin doesn't do very much. When is sin a problem? Well, when Jesus comes back to judge, that is when sin really matters. That is the thing. And the Corinthians, yeah, if you just live for life now, you get a church where sin is not a big deal. And Paul, well, he, he looks away from the, the sewer and he looks at the whole church and all the things going on. And he says, look, guys, don't be like this. The people who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Sin really matters. It's dangerous. Now, of course, then we get to, ah, but surely all Christians sin, right? Where we're all still sinners. We still sin. Surely that means that none of us are going to inherit the kingdom. Well, of, of course, that's, that, that, that's not quite how it works. I mean, we do need to remember, I mean, today, Reformation Sunday, right? We remember what they found out again in the, from the Bible. Look, it's all about uh, the gospel. It's all about what Jesus has done. We, we're not saved by our good behavior. We're saved by trusting in Jesus and, and his perfect life and his death for our sins. And, and, and not a combination it's, we're not saved even as a Christian by our good behavior. We're not saved by, I'm trusting in Jesus and I haven't sinned too much. That's, that's not the gospel. 
No, this is about people who are, well, uh, defined by their sin. Just like last week. Eh? Verse 8, you do wrong. But verse 9, wrongdoers. This is someone for whom, yes, sin, it rules their life. It defines them. I don't know, give an example like drunkenness. So here's one Christian and they're at this office party. And, you know, a bit of pressure from their colleagues and they end up drinking too much. They say something stupid. And the next day, yeah, they regret it. Uh, And they confess and they try not to do it again. Yeah, yeah, they've sinned, but clearly they they don't want to. Uh, Here's another Christian and, and, well, they get drunk very regularly. And they don't really think it's a big deal. Uh, And you talk to them about it and they, yeah, yeah, maybe it's wrong. Maybe I should do something, but they, they never really do it. They don't seem to really care about what they're doing. I think the question you have to ask then is, well, is their faith real? Is Jesus really in their life? Is Jesus in control or are they still, well, a slave to sin? Right? Because if Jesus comes into your life, there should be change. There should be the spirit who is changing someone, someone who, who has a desire to be holy. And, and if you point out sin to someone, they should want to change. And if they don't want to change, right, so you see the difference? It's not about how much you sin. It's about are you in the grip of sin? Are you someone who repents and believes in Jesus? That is the difference. Right? And, and, that's, and Paul is warning, well, watch. he's not saying you are one of these, but if you keep living like this, well, maybe you are. Maybe, right? So stay away. Uh, repent. Uh, try to live a holy life. Watch out for, uh, for sin. And, and, and all kinds of sins, right? Because you read this, and, and it's such a long list, right? The sexually immoral, and adulterers, and idolaters, and, and definitely a lot of sexual ones, but also, yeah, idolatry, greed, slander, a whole range of sins. I, I mean, I, I think that, that that's important, right? Because sometimes as Christians, we make some sins more important than others. I mean, some controversial ones here, uh, men who have sex with men. I know that's... Certainly in the West, that's quite an issue, right? Here are just two people who love each other. Can't they be together? What's wrong with that? I mean, the passage is very clear about what it says, right? And it means what it means. And if you want to, you know, talk to me more about this, you know, please come and talk to me. At the same time, it's, this is not the only sin, right? Some churches, they think, oh, this, this is the worst sin and everything else is okay. No, <laughs> all these are sins that can make you lose out on the kingdom. All of these, not just sexual sins, uh, but, you know, greed, idolatry, all of those. Slandering, drunkenness. Uh, I, I think that's, it, it's not about the type of sin, it's about the grip of sin. Is sin ruling your life or not? And, and people have different things they struggle with. Of course, I, I must say that, you know, when we've been involved with church discipline or those kind of things, it's been usually sexual sins. Uh, I think usually because it's just, it's just an easy thing. It's very clear when there is a certain line that has been crossed, right? Certain behavior, well, this is wrong. And repentance, well, stop that behavior. That, that's easy. Greed is much harder. When is someone greedy? It's very hard, right? When, you know, money is important. We, we, we should have money, right? That's why we support compassion. Because there are poor kids who can't go to school and don't have food. Money is important, yeah. And yet a good concern can become an unhealthy obsession. 
And it can go to the point where, yeah, this is really idolatry. You're putting this before God. If, you, if this is how you live your life, then we wonder about your faith. That is possible, but, but where is that line? It's very hard. I, I guess if you start doing illegal stuff, right? If you start selling drugs, then, okay, now you've definitely crossed the line. But otherwise, th- that's why these sins are much harder to see and much harder to do, which is more about our hearts, right? That's why, I guess, some easy outward sins like sexual ones tend to come up more. That's, that's I think, the reason. But they're all sin, and look, this is serious. This is matters. And we, we need to take this together with last week. Maybe you thought this church discipline oh, is quite heavy. Do we really need to do that? I, I hope you see why sin matters so much. Because people lose out on the kingdom of God. Right? And, and so you don't really, really want to avoid the church being infected. Right? Because this can send people to hell. Uh, you really want to turn this person away from their sin. And if that means excluding them from communion so that they realize their sin and repent, you want that because sin is so serious. I, I hope we see that, right? I, I hope, I mean, I don't like to saying this, but this is, it's important, right? I need to warn people of their sin. And, and I hope we are all listening. Uh, I mean, Corinthians, they, they were a mixed crowd. They were good, faithful Christians there. But yeah, there were also people really in the grip of sin. And it will be the same here. Uh, one, hopefully, I'm sure there's many wonderful Christians here. But maybe, you know, you are someone and you look at your life and you can see that, that grip ha- sin has such a grip on you. And that actually, I don't know, pornography, uh, some financial dealings, uh, and it's just there and it's not changing. And uh, I hope you hear today this message, that how wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, you, you don't want to be like that. And, well, wonderfully, Paul finishes. Look, you don't have to be like that, right? Yes, sin really matters, but... It's been dealt with. Verse 11. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. Many of you were like. Some of you were like this. Some of you. Yeah, you were so much in the grip of sin. Before you met Jesus. But Jesus came into your life. right, And he changed you. Uh, this big contrast, but you were washed three times, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. You know, you, you've been washed clean completely by Jesus. Uh, you've been set apart uh, as a new holy person, a new holy community. And, and now you're, you're justified, you're perfect in God's sight because of what Jesus has done. That's who you are now. And so... Well, you're no longer defined by your sin, right? All of that is, is past, is dealt with. And, and don't live like that anymore. Live as the new person you are. Live as the person Jesus made you by dying for you and living for you and giving that to you. And, and, and the spirit he's given you. You know, you are new. Don't live this old way. And, and, and maybe, and, and, and of course there is an invitation here as well, right? Maybe you are someone who is struggling, well, not even struggling. You know, you're not struggling against sin. Maybe you're, you wouldn't even say you're a Christian. There's an invitation here, right? You can come back. Eternity matters. 
In this life, maybe sin is not that serious, but it will matter. But you can come back. You can be washed and set apart and forgiven and accepted. Jesus would love you to come back to him. That's why he went to the cross. So come and, and be changed. Be forgiven. Come back and, and, and leave that old life behind. Uh, come and talk to me more if, if you, you want to do that and you don't know how. And, and then just l- l- let's no longer live this way. Right? Cor- the Corinthians, yeah, they were a worldly church. But I, I hope you don't want to be like that. I mean, ultimately, I remember the first point. Remember who you are. I mean, is it so great to live for this world? Look at Corinth. Isn't it so much better to have everything in Christ? Isn't it so much better to, you know, to be with him? Isn't it so much better to have a church that's a family and, and not you know, just a bunch of people who act like this? No, we have so much, something so much better in Jesus. Let's live it out. Let's lay down our rights. Let's lay down our desires, our greeds. You know, this life now is okay. We, we, can, we can give it up. We can, not, we can live for the future because, because of Jesus. Let's make sure we live that way. Let's pray together before we sing. Our Father, thank you so much for Jesus and what he's done. Remember today how he, he lived a perfect life and he died for all our sins. And we can be perfectly acceptable in your sight. Father, help us to live that out, to be the new people uh, you made us to be. Forgive us when we forget and deny who we are, uh, who uh, yeah, you've made us. Uh, we want to live for you. We want to live well with our true identity in mind, with heaven in mind, with a new creation, and not for this life. Show us where we fail that and, and help us to change, to repent, to be cleansed, to come back to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.